Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Orte, Dilce Desi. Orte is a podcast for brown women by brown women who dare to raise their voices. This is a special Meet and Orte episode where you, me, and we get to meet a very interesting and very daring Orte. So Geet, Dr. Amna, and I caught up with Dr. Sadaf, a.k.a. the Savvy Woman's Sex Coach, who is also a board-certified OBGYN, life coach, and sexual counselor in New York, with over 22 years of experience in helping women and adolescent girls with their physical and emotional health issues. She started her social media presence in 2021, and in 2022, Dr. Sadaf kicked off the Muslim Sex Podcast, where she talks about sex and other topics important for female health. An OBGYN, mom, and Muslim, she talks openly about topics your mom may have never spoken to you about. No shame, no judgment, and no topic is taboo. That's absolutely where our stars aligned, and we're so thankful to have her on Arte. Her motivation was to be that sex resource she never had, and to create an online space that's safe for primarily Muslim women to talk about sex and take a sex-positive approach to their relationships. The conversation is just getting started. Let's go meet an audit. Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Welcome back, ladies. Dr. Sadaf, thank you so much for being here. We would love to kick off with the first sort of just getting to know you. And we hear that you are a Muslim sex coach. And so... <laughs> What led you to become a Muslim sex coach? Hi, thank you so much for having me on uh, and for giving me the time and space on your episode and on your podcast. Um, so I am a gynecologist. I'm an OBGYN by training. And I noted that, um, you know, I've been a, an OBGYN now for including residency for a total of 22 years. And in my 22 years of practice, I noticed that uh, we really lacked uh, just in general, but also within the Muslim community um, and really just South Asian, right? It doesn't have to be specific to Muslims, but uh, really just somebody that talks about sex and is sex positive, right? So it's not a matter of being vulgar or obscene because that's not who I am and that's not my style, but it's just about having a space that is safe for women to discuss topics on sex and uh, to talk about sex in a sex positive mm -hmm. manner. Um, and I wanted, I didn't see any. And, you know, in case I missed somebody, uh, you know, I could be remiss and perhaps there's, there are people out there, but I didn't see anyone. So I felt like I needed to create that space. And so that's what led me to that. And I just wanted to be that resource that I never had and create a space for, for people that, you know, identify as uh, women and for women so that they had a space. Over time, how has that gone for you? I mean, just even identifying yourself as a Muslim sex coach you know, how has that sort of like been received, perceived? Yeah, so that's, it's been quite the journey. So this whole idea came about really this year. So like I would say in January, February, I wanted to do something online. And, um, and that kind of is what led me to this uh, life coaching 
Um, and I really enjoyed it because it really helped me grow as well. But in terms of answering your question, how has that been received? So I've had my social media presence since November of this past year. And let me tell you, (laughs) it has been quite the journey. I get very interesting comments. In fact, this week, I you know, so I was on call. I was call, on call at the hospital this past Sunday, and I did something that I should never do, which is read my comments on the in TikTok, <laughs> the comment <laughs> section, because a quarter of them are about, well, is she really Muslim? And oh my God, where's her modesty? Where's her this? Where's her that? And oh, <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't wear hijab and look at her. And it went on and on. And I was like, oh, and some, people, some people are like, oh, I stuck for a lie. so so then I was like what the you know and this is not the first time I mean there's you know lots of trolls right so um so the purity mob was after you yes absolutely (laughs) a hundred percent and so at first I was like oh wow this really sucks (laughs) but but there was there you know but to counteract that there's a lot of women and not just women but other people on there that you know support what I'm doing and you know saying all these nice things but of course you know the things that always get stuck in our head are the negative comments right so I, I was just thinking about them and then I thought gosh you know should I even bother I mean the social media thing whatever and then I came home and I was discussing with my children my my children are so sweet you know they're like mom are you gonna really let you know somebody on social media dictate and tell you what you should do and you know mom if you, you don't have haters that means you're not doing it right you know all that stuff so I appreciated that I mean my whole why right so the why do I even do this it's to empower and to educate women regarding sexuality and sex and um you know the importance of it and and why they should feel empowered to know what they like and to be able to communicate that with their partner. And, and that is my why. So that's what keeps me going. During our research, it seems like, and also just talking to people, majority of South Asian women, it feels like sex is a chore or they're dissatisfied. What are some of the reasons for this? And what is, what are some of the solutions? Sure. So, you know, I, like any big group or community, um, South Asian women are not a monolith, right? So there's not one thing that is pertaining to everyone, but I agree with what you say in terms of women finding it to be a chore. You know, oftentimes women that I speak to say that they don't enjoy sex, that uh, perhaps some of them find it dirty or shameful or painful, and that it's not something that uh, they desire as much. There are some women that do enjoy sex, but for the most part, it would be women that primarily are unsatisfied with sex. Um, And, you know, I'd like to say that I feel it's a way that we are are raised. Now I'm, I'm speaking for, you know, the people that I've come across, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, oftentimes uh, women. So now I'm speaking, since I am like a Muslim sex coach, speaking of like the Muslim women, and perhaps even, I think it would extend to perhaps South Asian women in general is that, you know, oftentimes we don't, or they don't have sex before marriage. Right. So that the first time that they have sex, 
is marriage. So in fact, I was just talking about this with the the sex coach that um, I was speaking with on my own podcast. And, and we were discussing how it's very difficult for some women to make that transition, right? So all your life, you're told, you know, you stay away from sex. It's bad. It's dirty. It's, it's protecting, right? So it's not, it's not that you're being told that from at least not, hopefully, you know, you think that it's not being told to you from a bad place, but one of like a protective, right? So people are trying to protect you and saying, you know, stay away from that. It's not good, whatever. But then when you get married, all of a sudden now you're supposed to be like enjoying sex and liking it. And that is a transition that doesn't just happen overnight, right? Yeah. That seems like a sudden flip from like none to like zero to a hundred. Right. Like, you know, all of a sudden in bed supposed to be like nymphomaniacs or something like that. That (laughs) doesn't really happen for a right. lot of women um and so it's, it's a lot of trial and error it's it's a process and i think that women south asian women you know um should take it as such right that it's a process and it's a journey and that they have to be kind to themselves and understand that they're going from a place of perhaps nothing to now there's opportunity and they can experience something and that you know that the change is going to happen over time and that there has to be like a shift in mindset almost. Right. Mm. That's where a coach will come in because there are different ways of looking at sex and sexual pleasure. And, and if you change the mindset from something that is shameful or dirty to now something that's joyful and pleasurable, you know, and, and can elicit pleasure, then you automatically change the expectation and what can come about, right? Mm. So I think that a change in mindset has to come, but that it will be gradual. And for women to give themselves grace and allow that time to happen, to happen naturally over time, right? And and that all begins with communication. So being able to tell your partner that, you know, what you want and how fast or slow you want to get there to that point and that if it's not the best, if sex is not the best the first time you have it, right, which for most people, it is not, um, yeah. then to give yourself the time to let it become that eventually, you know, if that's what you want, right? It all depends on mm-hmm. what the woman wants. With South Asian women and even Muslim women, I think there's so much shame attached to that. Um, what is, I mean, besides communication, because that also depends on the other person, right? Like you can communicate, but if that other person's not going to communicate with you, that's not probably going to work in the long run either. Um, so even with that sort of shame spiral that we go through, what would you say is a, like, you know, what, what can we do to address that shame? Because even when, whether it's before marriage or after marriage, whenever you're having sex, I think that still holds back how much or how comfortable you are, I feel like. Our thoughts, right? Our thoughts result in our uh, feelings and our feelings uh, result in emotions, which result in our actions, right? But it has to start from the thought. So how do we, or what do we believe about sex? Or what do we believe about pleasure? you know, how do we see that? 
how do we see sex? So if we see it as shameful and dirty and painful and all this stuff, then the actions that we take will be a result of those thoughts, right? But if we are able to change our thoughts around what sex is and what it means to us, then then our actions will follow. And we have to journey into our thoughts, right? So it's speaking with either a therapist or a coach or somebody that can help you to dive deeper into your thoughts and see where these thoughts came from, where they originated from. And, and to know that you have the, the right to choose how you believe and what you believe, right? The, that these thoughts can come, but you have a choice. You can either keep those thoughts if they're serving you, but if they're not serving you, then you can choose to let them go. And an analogy that I always give my clients and patients is that, you know, I to me, thoughts are like little clouds over my head or they're like balloons, right? So if they're serving me, I'm going to hold on to them. But if they're not serving me, I'm going to let them go. And it's easier said than done. But I think it's a practice that you have to do and you have to stop yourself. And that's where mindfulness comes in as well, right? So we have to, when we start to have thoughts and when we start to have feelings and when we start to act on those feelings and emotions, we have to see where they're coming from and then see if that original thought is serving us or not. And and I think the biggest thing in coaching is that you have a choice, right? And that you can get curious about your thoughts, and that curiosity and and think about like, well, you know, I may believe that sex is bad or sex is shameful and dirty, but where did I get those thoughts from, right? Where does that come from? Does that come from my upbringing? Does that come from the way that I was raised? You know, maybe, and some people have trauma, right? We can't um, ignore that. There's a lot of sexual abuse that happens some of the thoughts that happen can happen because of trauma. And so that's why it's so important to examine our thoughts and then get the help that we need by whatever means, you know, whether it's a provider, whether it's psychiatrist, therapist, whoever is help you to understand your thoughts. And it doesn't have to be sexual trauma, right? It could be any sort of trauma, verbal abuse, right? It could be anything. It could be any type of trauma that occurred that has caused us to believe a certain way. Like as you're, you know, in your experience as a doctor, as a coach, what would you say are some of the like more frequent questions that you get um, from, you know, from your, like, whether your clients or people even on TikTok or your social media channels, where are they like some of the top few things that you've heard over and over? Yeah, absolutely. So aside from the why I don't wear hijab, (laughs) because that comes up all the time. Um, But right. So some people comment about painful sex. That's that's a huge one. Mm. Um, Other people talk about decreased libido. Right. Vaginal dryness. Um, But really painful sex comes up a lot. So I think that those, those few things, um, and I'm trying to think about what other things come up. Oh, yes. Yes. So I also have, um, vaginismus, 
right? With vaginismus for, so for those uh, people that are not medical professionals that might be listening like to me, <laughs> vaginismus is when you have contraction of the muscles of the lower third of the vagina that uh, can happen even before you have intercourse. So you're anticipating those muscles contract because you anticipate pain. And that's what vaginismus is. Mm. So it's involuntary contraction of the lower third of the vagina in anticipation of pain. So okay. someone can experience that, say, even uh, while they're, you know, perhaps placing a tampon in, right? Some people get like that when they go to a gynecologist and they're getting a pelvic exam and they're anticipating pain mm-hmm. and so their muscles contract. I see that a lot when I'm going, a woman is in labor and I have to check her cervix to see if she's dilated and automatically she'll contract and say, you know, that she feels pain. Even I haven't even touched her yet, you know? So it's mm. the idea. Is it more sort of psychological then? Like, yes, it is. Okay. But, you know, but so, so then I don't want to just say it's completely psychological, sure. right? Some women can actually have, you know, may have experienced trauma, right? Some people can have some anatomical pain, right? So mm. for example, women in menopause, if they have vaginal dryness, they could be experiencing um, penetrative pain, right? So um, when they have a lot of vaginal dryness, if their tissue shrinks their vagina, so the vagina is such that like you either use it or you lose it, right? So that's why it's encouraged for women to continue to have intercourse as they age, because that'll keep, that'll keep the blood flow coming to the vagina and that area to keep it plump. Of course, you know, there are women that also need estrogen to help that tissue. And some women even use a little bit of testosterone to help with that tissue so that it doesn't become so thin because when the estrogen, when we go through menopause and the ovaries stop working, we have a decrease in estrogen. That decrease in estrogen um, can cause vaginal dryness. And when we, when women have vaginal dryness, that can cause pain when they have intercourse. So there's ways around it. So that's why it's very important for women to go see their healthcare provider so they can be treated. But, uh, but yes, so definitely, you know, the painful intercourse can be um, what causes women or, you know, the history of painful intercourse can be what causes women to experience this vaginismus. Yeah, I have a follow up question to this. Um, So as part of solution, do you suggest uh, masturbation to women? So self-exploration, because communication will come if when I will know what makes me happy. <laughs> and um, to me, it makes intuitive sense to have masturbation as a solution. So I should first get to know myself. Then I can tell my partner what I want or not want. Sure, sure, of course. And that actually we spoke about a little bit in my podcast as well. So um So masturbation depends on, right, like how, so masturbation is, can be controversial depending on who you speak to, right? So some women definitely don't feel comfortable with their bodies. And so masturbation is, you know, the way to go. However, some people who are religious that uh, may be Muslim may find that they're not sure if it's allowed or not. So just, I'm just going to speak right now to the Muslim women um, in this, who may be listening. 
and you know, other people that either are not Muslim or or don't really it doesn't matter to them or may not be practicing, you know, it's that's not a big issue. But for women, for some women that practice and are concerned, you know, there are different schools of thought uh, regarding masturbation. The some schools of thought completely prohibit it. Other schools of thought say that it's fine um, in regard to having, you know, your partner stimulate you to orgasm, you know, and um, and so that's fine. And other people say that a masturbation is okay as long as nothing enters the vagina. And other scholars say that you can, if a woman is, say, that she doesn't have uh, a spouse or a partner, and she's afraid that she might commit adultery, then it's okay to put something in the vagina. So I guess it just depends on how religious a person is. Now, say if, if somebody is not religious at all, right, and this religion doesn't matter to them, then yes, you are right. Uh, masturbation would be a good way to find out what you enjoy and what pleasures you. And, uh, you know, if you're also discovering orgasm, right? Women, oftentimes women are able to orgasm on their own and maybe not even with a partner, but on their own. Mm. Or I think we're team masturbation here. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? You're team masturbation. We're team masturbation. We talked about that in our self-care podcast too. Um, I was, I'm just going to make a comment to that. I mean, major to men, this is a natural thing, right? They have to masturbate, um, because they young men get morning um, erection, so or they they have to masturbate to stay, you know, non erect all the time. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, and for women because it's more complicated, right? We are we're more our pleasure is more complicated. So it just makes sense that I first get to know. But is it? Is our pleasure really that No, that's what I'm saying, that our anatomy I mean, is not as simple, right? right? So first, I have to know, mm-hmm. and I'm one of those women who thought I never touched myself before I started having sex. Maybe I should have, then I would have known <laughs> what pleases. Let's not, let's not get into your... You know, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, yeah. that you, Sadaf is right, that that's a belief that's given to us but it just i wanted to get an opinion from an expert that yes and that's what you're saying that yes physiologically masturbation would be the best way to get to know yourself and until you can communicate to your partner what you correct want. correct and that's you know and also you know what you like right so if you right. know and understand your body um, and know what you like, then you can communicate that with, to somebody else. Yeah. What would you say if, if you sort of say, okay, so communication, this is something that you want to practice. So let's say you're talking to a client, right? And they say, well, I try to communicate, but my partner doesn't want to talk about it because, you know, I don't know, a whole host of reasons, right? One of them maybe being that he like he feels shameful or the other person, whoever that is, feels shameful about it. How do you like what is something that, you know, that you would say to that person? Like how do you sort of open that communication up so it's two ways? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough question, right? Because oftentimes that happens, whereas it might be one sided communication is one sided, right? So you have one partner who is very open to discussing their sexual health, and their sexual wellness with their partner, and the other partner is like what you said, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, perhaps they don't think it's important right? That they have everything else in their relationship. And perhaps sex is the only thing that's not that great, but their partner doesn't see it as important. And or they feel inhibited, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. I think that at that point, then you have to definitely speak with a therapist, right? A sex therapist um, that does couples counseling that gets the other person because that's the only way things will move forward. Is that Mm -hmm. if they continuously shut down the conversation, then that conversation never happens. And I think with most couples, that conversation never happens because it's, you know, either they never uh, grew up with the idea of sex being positive Mm -hmm. um, and that it's not shameful or dirty or painful or all this stuff, right? It couldn't be painful, but that it's, you know, shameful or dirty. Mm -hmm. And then that conversation never starts. So you're asking what would be a conversation starter? And I think that if one partner is definitely opposed to talking about it then they would have to seek professional help because if that person's not going to open up then that conversation is a no starter when you say most couples do you are you referring to muslim couples or are you referring to just generally um i think even i i feel like i could say generally i Mm. feel that a lot of couples do not discuss sex Mm. You know, whereas it's similar, right? Like sex, money, those topics are not often discussed, but are some of the most important topics and conversations to be had. Right. And oftentimes women are actually kept away from those conversations purposely, right? So um, we're never really involved in the finances and, you know, but obviously we need to change that too. Um, I, so in terms of, like moving forward, what is it that you want to see in the world as a sex coach? You know, like you're sort of devoting your time, your effort, your resources, everything to increasing awareness, increasing understanding of sex. What is your vision? Like, what is your hope for the world? What is your hope for Muslim women? What is your hope for South Asian women or or them that are listening today? Yeah, you know what I think? I think what I think would be wonderful is that if we had better conversations around sex. I think that's very important. And the other um, goal or what the other, right, the other goal that I would like is to achieve, um, to have comprehensive sexual education in our societies, right? Comprehensive, including, you know, sexual orientation, anatomy, you know, the biology, all of that stuff that we, you know, don't really have, right? So in fact, there's, even here in the United States, we don't have to look very far. It's here in the United States. We do not have comprehensive sexual education for our young adults. And so there are multiple states that um, don't even require that sexual education be uh, scientifically accurate. I don't know if you know that. It's in the Kaiser Family Foundation, There, they, um, list the statistics of how many states actually have scientifically accurate information. Some states require the mention of abstinence as a form of contraception. Only a few states recommend 
that we actually um, teach contraception. So, you know, all of those things um, really lead to our negative beliefs about sex, right? And leading to sex as this elusive thing that we never understand and where people get it, are getting their information from pornography. And, you know, I know there's ethical porn, right? But if porn is the only place that people are getting their sex information from, then that's doesn't say much for us, right? Because yeah. what people forget is that sex is, uh, pornography is a lot of theatrics. It's not really reality. And mm. that, um, you know, that's probably not the best place to learn about sex. Mm. So you want a safe space for people to learn and to know and understand and have evidence-based, scientifically backed, shame-free sex education. A uh, best sex education that I got um, in Michigan uh, the, when I was there, uh, there was a, a woman on public television and she called herself safety girl. And um, it was really amazing. And uh, she just did a lot of sex education. Um, and I, I really enjoyed my husband and I enjoyed her show and we used to watch it all the time. Non-pornographic and really educational, but fun. Um, so mm. you're right. It needs to happen more and more. Yeah. And at least there's some more, you know, like we have many more channels of communication and content now. Right. So we're a lot of us are getting a lot of our information from YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And we're, you know, a lot of us are also set up like we're following you as well. Right. Like there's people out there that are actually so there's a demand for it. Absolutely. And I think there's at least more content than there used to be. Some of the best sex advice I ever got and some of the best sex education I ever got was from a radio show that used to play on 97.1 called Dr. Judy. And she used to run from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. every night. And I was in high school and she was the person that I would listen to for sex advice because she was so thoughtful and tasteful and people would call in with a lot of their questions and um it comes from places that you least expect it Sadaf, thank you very much we want to take a moment to say thanks for coming on the podcast oh, thank you um, and thank you. for wanting to dispel the myths around female sexuality being one yes. of the voices at least because it's tough enough um and thank you for your honesty um it's important for you for people to know for women to know um that i know it's we're going to stay with inside your your thought process but um we're not talking to muslim women only we're talking to south asian women and like dr amna and dr southern both said the best way is masturbation um and that's something that's actually looked down upon in the culture and the community and it's not just south asians a lot of people in general look down upon it but the reality is is that that's the only way you're going to know by self-exploration um, so anyway, thank you very much for coming on and for um, everything that you're hoping to do. I wish you the best of luck. Now, thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me to be on your platform and uh, being a very you know, thoughtful uh, platform itself and giving South Asian women uh, a voice. And um, I think that's very important. So thank you all right. for all yes. that you're doing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you thank you for tuning in to Orte, where we met yet another interesting Orat. Visit Orate.com and we hope you continue listening anywhere you listen to your podcast. Until next time.